Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. I'm J.J. Cooper, joined today by Ben Badler. And if you've been waiting for a prospect podcast, your wait is uh, no longer. I know we've had a lot of draft podcasts. We've had a lot of college podcasts uh, lately, which makes sense. There's been a lot of stuff happening in the draft and college baseball. But we, we are continuing to follow prospects here. And so we, we've gotten some emails asking from people, hey, could you please talk some prospects? We're going to talk prospects today. And one of the things that we're going to focus on today is breakout prospects, prospects who have who've done something to really help themselves this year. We're going to talk about several of those, but we're going to start out. We're just going to jump right into it, and I'm going to ask you, Ben. So who is a prospect who has really stood out to you this year? As in, like, if you said right now, this guy's a better prospect than we thought coming into the season. For me, the, the one guy, or one of the guys who stands out is Jackie Bradley on the Red Sox. You know, coming out of college, I think there was some, uh, you know, obviously had a, a great college career, or and he certainly accomplished a lot uh, when he was when he was in college. But I think there was. Some, but his junior year at South Carolina yeah. was injury prone. There was he didn't hit that well with the new bats. So you have that, and then you have okay, he's a center fielder, but he's not, uh, you know, he's not a sixty or, or a seventy runner really. He's not a he's not a big burner, so. I know he has good defensive instincts, and those are the reports coming out of college. But you know, sometimes you know, speed is a lot easier to measure than you know the reads that a guy gets instinct, off the bat. Yeah. You need to see that a, a lot, and you know, I'm sure <laughs> there were the Red Sox did their homework and, and saw this guy plenty of times over uh, over his years in college. But um, it's it's hard to know just how good they are until you know this year and. <laughs> You know the the defense is is certainly there. It sounds like he's made some spectacular plays. Potentially plus this plus year. is what I've heard. Yeah, so 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 that alleviates some of the concerns about maybe the flat line raw speed uh, that you like to see in a center fielder. Uh, but offensively, he's been much better than I would have expected. I think I think we knew that he had to, you know a good approach uh, to hitting. You know a good idea of the strike zone. But I didn't think that he would come out of the gate and be. I think at, at one point he was leading the minor leagues in, in on base percentage. I think he believe he's I think still he's is. still up. He's got to be still in the top few guys at least. But what he's doing offensively, and then you combine that uh, with his defense at a premium position, um, you know, it's. I think people, everybody, probably knew who he was coming into the year because uh, of what he had accomplished in college. But uh, he's really surprised me. I, I didn't expect him to be quite this good. No, I agree with you. I, he's been he's been definitely a revelation, not because we didn't know that he was pretty good. Because really, what happened with him and hey, kudos to the Red Sox on this. He had that junior year. I think you could fairly say that if you took Jackie Bradley after his sophomore year and said where would he go in the draft, it was higher than where he went as a junior. Well. The reality, sometimes that's because the guy, some things that happen where you say, okay, he's not as good as we thought. Sometimes what happens is is you have an injury-prone, unlucky junior year, and you fall for, for that reason. What we've seen since then, as you said, I mean, the bat has played, the defense plays. He Look, he's not going to be a guy who's going to say, you're going to down the road say, okay, Jacoby Ellsbury, step aside, here comes Jackie Bradley, because Jacoby Ellsbury is one of the cornerstone guys for the Red Sox. But down the road, he could fit, you know, multiple places in that outfield, or if nothing else, heck of a trade 
chip down the road. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. He's been a a, a definite revelation. I'm going to go with a guy, another Red Sox. And we're not, we're going to talk about non Red Sox here too. I promise. But Matt Barnes this year, we talked about him. He was on the prospect hot sheet that we just finished uh, writing up uh, earlier today. And the thing that stood out with Matt Barnes is, is we knew he was pretty good coming into the draft last year. He was kind of part of that second tier of of college pitchers. You had the the group at the top. You had the the you know the Garrett Coles and the Danny Holson, you know, the, you know, the Holsons, the Coles, you know, you got to throw in there really the high school guys too, the Bundys and uh, Archie Bradleys and all. Matt Barnes wasn't considered part of that group. He was considered part of the next group of of, uh, of pitching prospects, college pitching prospects in last year's draft. I don't think right now that you could really call him part of that next group. I would still probably rather have Holson or Cole, but Matt Barnes is – is moving a lot closer to those guys. The reality is, is that Matt Barnes pitching at the same level is having a better year. That doesn't mean he has better stuff, but having a better year than Garrett Cole is. But to me, his stuff from the reports we have, his stuff may even be a little better than what it was coming into the draft. He shows the impressive ability that he can add velocity as the game goes on, which not a whole lot of guys can do. It's not just he can maintain, but if he needs it, you know, a little bit more in that last inning, he can he can find it. And he, he's shown the ability to locate his fastball. The, the breaking ball, the changeup, may not be at that same level of that fastball yet. But if you can locate with a lively fastball like he's shown this year, you can dominate. And that's what he's done at low A and high A right now. Yeah. And when he was in, you know, for the first you know couple, of, you know, first month or month and a half or so of the season when he was in the South Atlantic League, still you're saying, all right, well, <laughs> you know, these numbers look just silly, but this is again yeah, a first round college pick in the Sally in the Sally League. So okay, <laughs> let's see what you can do at a, at a higher level. And uh, you know the Carolina League is it's it's not a huge jump up, but this is more this is where he should be. Right. And and to see him still going out and dominating and leading the minor leagues uh, in ERA, uh, you're right. It, it's it's you know we knew he was good, but I don't think we knew that he was going to be this good. <laughs> and, and another way to put it is is that. You're talking about at the Carolina League, yeah, it's not that big a jump, but ask Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy was basically unhittable in the South Atlantic League. He's gone to the Carolina League, and he's still very good, and the stuff is still the same and all that, but but Dylan Bundy is not basically flirting with a no-hitter every time he goes out there now. And it's news when he doesn't. It's Right. <laughs> yeah, I, again, let me make clear. If you're saying, okay, J.J., you can have one pitching prospect in baseball, I'll take the Dylan Bundy, you can have the field. You might even take away the word pitching from there. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that may be true. Be yeah, Bundy. it very well may be true. I, I, to be in fact, I, I, personally, yeah, he's my number one. I don't know about you, but yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd, <laughs> him or, or Jerks and Profar, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Again, what Profar's I think I'd probably done. lean to lean to lean toward Profar, but. I'll take either it's, one yeah. and be happy. No, I mean, I, what Profar's done as a teenager in the Texas League is is equally amazing. It is amazing. And we've known, I mean, <laughs> and it, it, what I love about Profar, too, is that everyone's known about him since he was uh, <laughs> 11 years old in the Little League World Series. And it's... And, it's, uh, <laughs> and he keeps living up to it and, yeah. or, be, or exceeding expectations. It's today. incredible. And, and it's, it's interesting because we have had the contrast. We had a story up yesterday about Manny Machado's season. And... The point of the story, there are several points to the story, but one of the points of the story was, hey, Manny Machado, his numbers, if you look at them, they look really bad, you know, maybe because of what you expect. But the reality is, is that 
he's kind of holding his own in the Eastern League as a teenager, and there's so few teenagers, short, teenage shortstops who play double-A mm-hmm. that holding his own is actually not that bad. Well, then you go over to the Texas. The, the thing that makes it look bad for him is, is if you look <laughs> over to the Texas League and you go, Jerickson Profar is not holding his own. Jerickson Profar is dominating the league as a teenage shortstop, which eh, the Rangers are going to have some interesting decisions to make um, sooner rather than later. With yeah, with not just him, but the whole left side of their infield. Yeah, because you got Mike Holt too. It's uh, it's a good problem to have. Speaking of which, that's that's another one of the breakout guys I wanted to mention today. Uh, we got the news today that Justin Grimm's going to be coming up, going to be pitching for the Rangers. They partly because of necessity. They uh, a team that was extremely deep in pitching depth. You turn around and and it's amazing how injuries can kind of sap that pretty quickly, and, and they have with the Rangers. But Grimm. I, I had a lot of people who liked him doing the Carolina League top 20 list last year. A lot of guys who liked him, a lot of scouts, a lot of managers. But there was a little bit of a feeling of, okay, now let's see him do it again, because the track record for Grimm before that had been pretty poor. Uh, he had never really kind of lived up to expectations that much at, at University of Georgia where he pitched. Comes to Texas, there's some question, is this guy going to be a reliever long-term or a starter? Had a really good year in the Carolina League. He goes up the Texas League this year, and he's answered some of those questions. Because Texas League is, as we both know, not an easy place to pitch. His stuff is excellent stuff, but he's showed more and more ability to command it as well. And now that doesn't mean that when he comes up, you know, for the big league level, that he may not have run into some struggles. But eight and three, one point eight seven in the Texas League. You know, striking out, uh, you know, almost a batter an inning, not walking almost anyone. It's It's been a pretty impressive rise for Grimm. And he also, he's another guy that stands out to me as that guy's a better prospect now than he was at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Hey, anyone else jump out to you? Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a few guys. I think the obvious guy is, is Alan Hansen. Oh, yeah. Um, Pirate, shortstop, uh, low A. Yeah, I think last year in the Gulf Coast League, there were some people who, who liked him, but he, you know, the numbers were solid, not spectacular. So he was, you know, he's one of the top prospects in that league. But I think he had an injury that was holding him back a little bit. And then this year he makes the jump to <laughs> the South Atlantic League, and which is a, I mean, that's a substantial jump to go from the GCL to the South Atlantic League. Yeah, it it, it definitely can be for 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 a lot of guys. But uh, you know, Hanson, his best tool, <laughs> he runs really well, but. I think his best tool is probably his bat, which is the most important one. If you're slugging 570 yeah. as a 19-year-old in the Saudi League, uh, if if the if the bat's not your best tool, then uh, I want to see your other tools. Cause so yeah, so son, so you know we ex- we knew he could hit, but you know for him to have 10 home runs already, when I think he had you know four home runs uh, in in his previous two seasons combined, uh, you know the power is definitely coming out. Uh, he's got the speed to turn some singles into doubles, doubles into a lot of triples, uh, and he's going to play the middle of the infield. You know, shortstop, second base. You know, I, I think it's kind of overstated. Oh, if a guy might have to move off of shortstop and go to second base, I think there's a tendency for you know some some people to say, oh well, to to knock a guy too much because of that. 
I mean, second base is still a premium position. Right. I'm not even saying he has to move there. He could still right. stay at shortstop. But at the, the reality end of the day, is, he's going to stay in the dirt, and he's not going to be holding a first baseman's mitt. If you can do that, you have. I mean, that's yeah. He's a premium position guy with a potentially above average bat. I mean, this is definitely got to be excited about. I can't help but think back to this time last year. We were seeing kind of the rise of Xander Bogarts. Now, mm. Hanson. Hansen again has a better chance of staying in the middle of the infield, I think, than Bogarts. Bogarts is more likely to end up at third to me, but it can't help but think of a, a prospect who kind of hit, you know, hit low A as a teenager, and the power already shows up. We saw that with Bogarts last year. We're seeing that with Hansen this year. The other thing, as you just said, Hansen runs better than Bogarts. Now Bogarts. I would say may have a little bit more pop in the bat even than than Hansen. Oh does. yeah, oh yeah. But but it is. It's impressive, really, kind of all the way across the board, what Hanson's doing. If you said, who's the the position player in the first half season, the side league that stood out, it's it's hard for me to think of someone who's had a better first half of the season than Hanson. Yeah, he's he's really been incredible. You know, he he stands out, and then you know another guy with a, a bat that's stood out, and and I know we've written about him for it seems like forever, <laughs> but uh, Wilmer Flores. Oh yeah. Who for uh, you know, I, I know he's repeating. He's not just repeating. Re- yeah, he's uh, he's three repeating <laughs> the Florida State League right now. So I I understand that he's you know he's he's seen this level before. He, he knows the best places to eat in every uh, stop along the way. Yeah, he's he's pretty familiar with St. Lucie, but <laughs> it's not like he's seeing the same exact pitchers every time. It's it's still the same level, it's still the same speed of the game, but. He was born in 1991. I mean, he's still 20 years old. Hanson's only one year younger than him. Let's put right. it this way. So I, Flores, what he did in in when when he was in the Appalachian League as a 16 year old in 2008. I mean, that's when he really you know he was a big time hitter as an amateur player. You know, a big signing out of Venezuela for the Mets. You know, then he goes out the next year, just tears apart the Appalachian League still 16 years old, and then the expectations are so high, and then we forget that, all right, remember, this guy is still 20 years old, and now he's hitting 300 in the Florida State League, which is, which is a very tough place a to hit. very tough place to hit, and now you're starting to see the power come out, so he's probably going to be on pace for about 20 home runs in a, a difficult league for hitters, and he's still very young for the league. I, I do wonder if that's somewhat how much also has been helped by the fact that he's finally been put in a position... I don't even know if third base is his long-term position, but it's still at least a position that is more in line with what he's going to do long-term. Than, you know, he's been, there have been several years where the Mets played him at shortstop where you couldn't find – I don't think you could find anyone who's like, oh, this guy's going to be a shortstop. It was, it was like, who are they trying to fool? <laughs> it's, not, no, it, it's not like if you're trying to add to his trade value, it's not working because people are saying, no, there's no way that a guy who's a 30-35 runner is going to be a big league shortstop. Yeah, I think that might even be generous. <laughs> yeah, I, I had other guys give me 25s on yeah. it. But, but, and also, he, he was one of those guys, it, it is, it's very true, I think it's a little less true now, but it's been very true with the Mets, that it was always hard to get a good evaluation on a guy because they moved especially their Latin players, so aggressively that they were often playing a level or two levels beyond where they you know, probably should have been playing. And so it, it was one of those things where we saw it with Fernando Martinez. Fernando Martinez was pushed kind of through that system so quickly that he hit that double A, and it's like, okay, well, now he's, on the, you know, he's going to be in double A AA AA and triple A for the next three years while he tries to figure it out. 
Flores, you said he had that great year in 08, uh, you know, in, as a teenager in the Appy League, not even a teenager, a 16-year-old in the Appy League. Well, by, you know, 2009, it was a solid season in, in you know, in low A in the Saturday League, but it wasn't like this, he grabbed the, you know, grabbed everything and said, no, you have to promote me. Well, he's in the Florida State League the next year, and there was a little bit of almost, we, we do, we're guilty a lot of times of prospect fatigue. This is a guy you're going to have prospect fatigue on because you've seen this story in the Florida State League year after year, and you, you kind of, it is easy to forget Hey, he's still age appropriate for the league, even if this is his third go round in the South in the in the Florida State League. Yeah, yeah and then <laughs> absolutely, and then I think another guy who comes up to me too, and it's another guy who was a big international amateur prospect at the time, although his career's kind of taken a different path than his, is uh, Julio Morbon, the uh, the Mariners. Well, he's playing center field. I don't know if he's going to stay in center field. You know, he's playing a little left field too. Um, so he, I, I have a feeling he's probably going to end up in the corner position because he's not a real burner or a big defensive guy. But when he signed with the Mariners when he was 16 years old, I think it was in 2008, the year after Flores out of the Dominican Republic, uh, people really liked his bat. He's got a nice left-handed swing. Um, you know, I know early in his career there was some uh, contact or, or approach issues, but uh, have been an issue this yeah, year. Yeah, it's. He he he. People liked his bat when he was 16 years old, when he was an amateur player, and basically ever since then, you know, we were just talking about Fernando Martinez. <laughs> One of the biggest things with him is he just couldn't stay healthy. Absolutely. And Morbon has has been the same thing. I think last year he played uh, 80 games, <laughs> which which was, was a, a career high by far for him. Yeah. So then this right. year, and I know I know he's in high desert, and I know it's a, a great place to hit, but even on the on the road, I think his numbers are even much better on the road than they are at home. And still, it's the Cal League, but he's a 20-year-old yeah. 441 kid. on the road, uh, 441, 506, 824, compared to 277, 302, 535. Yeah, so <laughs> I think he had, you know, I... There's reason, this is not, I guess the best way to put it, this is not, there have been Cal League creations. Hello, John Gaston. Hello, Thomas Neal. You can think of other guys. There have been guys who kind of came out of nowhere somewhat had great years in the Cal League, and that's the last you hear of him. Julio Morbon is not that because this is a guy who had a, a track record before, and there's reason to think that this is development, not just, hey, this is a great place to hit. Right. All right. I, I agree with that completely. And uh, another guy kind of just kind of scanning, we, another guy was in the hot sheet this week, A.J. Griffin with the, uh, with the A's. I don't think he's going to be a front end of the rotation starter or anything like that, but I think he's going to be a starter now, and I think that's maybe something that I would not have said before the year. Started the year in Double A, moved up to Triple A, good command. Again, back into the rotation stuff. I don't think he has the stuff to where you'd say this guy's going to be an anchor. But the reality of this is, you also you need those number four starters, and and he's a guy who I, I would not have penciled that in before the year. I think right now, when you hear of how the stuff's improved and all this year how he's kind of developed his secondary stuff, I kind of point to him and say, you know what, that guy, given the opportunity, I think could be in Oakland next year or the year after that. Yeah, I think, I thought he was probably, you know, maybe a swing man, you know, solid AAA, up and down kind of guy, but, uh, you know, based on what he's done this year, it looks like he could be more of a solid, like you said, back into the rotation starter. And the reality of it is, is that it's a great place to, if you're going to do that, Oakland's a good place to, to try to break in because, You've got that, you know, 
it's it's a good pit park to pitch in. It's a good park to to kind of uh, some of your mistakes are going to either stay in the park or when they foul it off, they're going to have plenty of room for your uh, for your out, you know, infielders to track it down. That kind of thing. So uh, he's another guy who stands out to me. Okay, let's flip it a little bit. Putting you on the spot here because we haven't really talked about this before the podcast, but can you think of anyone who you go, wow, the first half of the season has really kind of dinged this guy's prospect status? Ooh, that's a... Uh, if, while you're thinking of one, I'll throw out one who... Uh, we we talked about the Rangers, we talked about Justin Grimm. i got to throw Neil Ramirez out as a guy. Neil, I'll throw out two, Neil Ramirez and Martin Perez. Martin Perez, not because he's done anything that different than previous years, but really kind of more because he hasn't done anything different than previous recent years, which at some point being young for your league kind of loses its impact. And the reality is, is that Martin Perez is not striking anyone out. He's, he's walking too many guys and he's kind of posting mediocre numbers again in AAA. And really the reality of this is that you're talking about a guy who's, at this point, you know, looking at his career line, 481 innings, 520 hits allowed. I know he's played in the PCL and the Texas League a lot. Those are tough hit leagues for pitchers. But at some point you go, okay, maybe this guy's not the front-end starter that we were thinking he was. Even though the stuff, you still look at it, it's hard to kind of decipher why not, but the, the stuff and the results have not added up up to now. Neil Ramirez, another Rangers pitcher, Ramirez kind of was a guy who was thought of as the results don't match up to the stuff kind of consistently. Then last year had the breakout year, really kind of mm-hmm. had the year where he goes, hey, it's all come together for this guy. Well, this year it's backed up. Uh, last I checked, I think he had the second worst DRA in the minors, um, 8.2, I believe. It's just those two guys are in the same rotation. It's just been a, a very rough year for the two of those. Yeah, I think Perez in particular, you look at his stuff and you look at his delivery and you think, all right, well, this is a guy who has good stuff who should be throwing a lot of strikes, but it's the results aren't there this year, and it's not something that's new for him. I think if you look at what he's done the last three years, I think there's been that's one been more stretch, the tr- yeah, that's been more been one stretch in AA where he had uh, you know, a really good go of it for about 80, 90 innings or so. And other than that, you know, again, don't want to lose patience with a guy who's still, you know, 21-year-old in AAA, still (laughs) young for his level. But, you know, if you look at what he's done since 2009, that's really last year is uh, uh, the only time since then that he's had success. And even then... Very strong in the Texas League last year, came to AAA and got beat up pretty bad in AAA. I mean, really beat up. It was almost two run, two base runners per inning beat up in AAA with Round Rock. Kind of the hope was coming into the season was, okay, struggled his first really year and a half in Frisco, but hey, he figured it out, and he really dominated that level, did well at that level. Okay, now he's moved up. He had trouble finding his footing in AAA. This is the year he comes back and kind of shows he can handle that level. Instead, what we've seen is, is nope, same kind of stuff that we were seeing last year. Yeah, and, and the other guys in that same league, too, <laughs> a couple guys jumped to mind are Shelby Miller and Mike Montgomery. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to have to bring up Mike <laughs> Montgomery. I was going to be contractually obligated if, if no one else did. <laughs> it's Yeah, I mean, uh, two guys who I think we both really, I mean, there's a lot to like with Shelby Miller, but, again, another guy who 
the results just aren't there this year. And, and with Montgomery, too, you you know, we talked about Perez with the stuff being good and, and the results not being there for for a while. I think Montgomery certainly not trending in the right direction. And, and with Montgomery, the stuff hasn't been there as much. Right. Um, what the Roy- the Royals have worked with him on changing his arm slot a little bit. They they felt like that he wasn't where he was. They've dropped him down a little bit so that he kind of has more natural follow through. They can finish a little bit more, and they have seen with that that he, it's always been a, a hunt with with him for the breaking ball. I uh, you know there's it's he's had it in flashes, but the the curveball is has always been a, a pretty erratic pitch for him. Finding the right grip, finding a comfort level with it. The thought was, is, and the hope was, is that with the arm slot, maybe that would help that. And he would have, for one, it would give him a chance to throw a breaking ball that he could throw for a strike more than he could before. Because his old breaking ball is kind of more of a, uh, it was more of a good chase pitch, but it wasn't a good get ahead, in the, you know, a, a pitch you felt comfortable with, you know, 2-0 to get to get to 2-1. The reality is, is he switched arm slots a little bit, and we've seen the stuff back up a little bit. It's not the same. The fastball doesn't have the same life. Doesn't always have the same velo. A little bit, maybe a tick down in velo too. And, and the reality of with that is, is that okay? Well, so what we're seeing right now, what we saw the last year and a half was he moved on when he moved up to to double A. The stuff was there, but the results weren't. Well, right now the results aren't that great, and the stuff's taking a step back. That's that's a really bad combo. And he's still, again, like we're talking about Martin Perez, he's still young enough that you say, okay, this guy could figure it out still. But it's, it's become more of a trend line like it has with Martin Perez, not uh, an aberration. With Shelby, it is right now, I'd say, I would argue, kind of more of an aberration. His stuff, apparently his stuff's backed up a little bit too. But he was he was so dominant before that we're at a, a two-and-a-half-month cause for concern right now, whereas I think with Perez and Montgomery, we're more of a two-year cause for concern. Right. Miller seems more like a hiccup. The other guys seem more like a, a slide. Yeah, I, mean. I think that's a, a good way to put it. Um, it, it you know, there's always going to be guys coming up. There's always going to be guys, uh, you know, kind of sliding back. But it it is, it's always one of the, it's, it's one of the fun things we're, we're getting ready to be working on mid-season prospect update. We'll have that. Probably, we're still finding the exact time on that, but probably looking at right after the Futures game. Ideally, we're, we're both going to the Futures game. Ideally, you want to have the Futures game to kind of kind of encapsulate that, kind of put a bow on it, and see hopefully many of the uh, the top guys that we haven't had a chance to see yet this year, or although we're going to get to see a good number of them. Uh, we've got the, uh, the Cal League, Carolina League All-Star game, and the Cal League All-Star game coming up Tuesday, next Tuesday night. And uh, we're recording this on a Friday, and I, you know, I have to another guy who I think has improved his stock. Before we wrap this up, we're going to get to see Billy Hamilton at the Carolina Cal League All Star Game. I know I get a little crazy, you know, on, if you follow my Twitter feed, JJCoop36, you you see a lot of tweets about Billy Hamilton steals because I do get excited that there's a chance that we could see a significant minor league record threatened because I, I did a blog post about this. That doesn't happen very often, but in the stance of prospect status, I think what's more important with Hamilton is is that he's actually hitting this year at a level. He's shown improvement over what he did last year. Like he showed improvement from the first half of the season last year to the second half of the season, but he seems to have shown additional improvement against Cal League, but additional improvement as far as drawing walks, as far as getting on base from what he did last year 
that kind of has has helped his prospect stock as well. Yeah, it seems like he's it's a it's a very nobody else really has his skill set the way that he has. It. I mean, there's other guys who you know he doesn't have a lot of power. I think he has what one home run on the year. I think he had. Yeah, I think it was inside the Parker. If I'm maybe one, but I think it, was, it was it was like one of the first like the first week of the season because I think he hit a home run before he even stole right. a, a base. Uh, so he's not going to be a lot guy who's for a lot of power, uh, you know. As a hitter, you're right. He's <laughs> he's made a lot of improvements this year. So you know, what kind of value does that skill set have? Generally, if it's a, a speedy guy who's like a 70 or even an 80 runner who can do that, but I mean, Billy Hamilton is he's so much he's faster than even other guys who are 80 runners. <laughs> he's just, right. And the funny thing is, if you said a foot race, I don't think he's faster. Like I think there are guys in the minors who are faster than him. That said, okay, line up a 60 here. Not that he's not really fast, but he has a uh, – the best way I've had to describe it is he has a suddenness to him. His first step for him is full speed, which what it allows him to do is it's like when he gets jumps, it's it's something where – the best way I had to describe it to me was uh, the Reds field coordinator, Freddie Benavides, but it's like the math just does not work out well for uh, for the opponents. Like if you're a pitcher is not – slide stepping and, and you know and very quick to the plate it doesn't matter what your catcher does because he's going to cover that first to second ground in a little over three seconds and however you add it up you're going to have to get the ball home and then back to the second in a little over three seconds and the math on that's just not very good in general or the the calculation they have to make when even if he just hits a ground ball to the shortstop. Right. I mean, he's he's beat out hits to the ground balls to the first baseman. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's absurd how how fast he is, and it's hard to. There's no real comparable player. Right, for and him. that's the thing that it does make it hard is that there is no current player in the big leagues who comes close to matching his skill set because when you talk about like if you look in the big leagues right now, right now. You still, if you're at 20 steals right now, you're among big league leaders. Well, if Billy Hamilton, two years from now, is in the big leagues, I can promise you this. If he has a job, he's going to have more than 20 steals at this point in the season. Significantly more than 20 steals. But what's interesting is, is that that part, that game has kind of gone away. You know, there's not really, I can't think of a guy in the last 10 years who's been an impact player based on his, you know, on base and speed. We used to see those. Again, Kenny Lofton had more pop than, than, than Billy Hamilton has. But Kenny Lofton was an impact player because of, in part because of what he did in the base pass. Obviously, Ricky Henderson could do everything. Ricky Henderson, Billy Hamilton, there are no comparisons to Ricky Henderson. Because no. Billy, <laughs> whatever Billy Hamilton can do, Ricky Henderson could do that and many things more. I mean, Billy Hamilton's having a much better year with on-base percentage this year. Ricky Henderson was way better getting on base. Ricky Henderson had the base-stealing ability that, that Billy Hamilton has, and you throw on top of that that he could put up 25 homers for you in a year. There was, there was more that Ricky, I'm not comparing him to Ricky, but there was a time back when power was a little less, we're seeing it dip again now, but in the 80s, Seeing how Billy Hamilton fits in would not be that would not be that shocking because there were other guys like him out there. Now, there aren't guys like him that you can think of and compare him to really. And I'll be interested that that's one of the things that makes me fascinated to watch him kind of develop is that 
he is such a unique player in the current game. And it would just be fun to... I don't think anyone thinks he's going to ever win an MVP or no. anything like that, but just in terms of enjoying watching oh, <laughs> a it, baseball player. I, 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 you know, before we wrap up, that's one of the questions I'll ask you. Is, is If you said, okay, what is... You've got one game. What is the minor leaguer that you would want to go see play? I think it would probably be Hamilton. That, I, think, I mean, I you know, look, Jerks and Profar, Dylan Bundy, those guys are better players than absolutely. Billy Hamilton. They're uh, better prospects. But just to watch... But just for enjoyment, the reality is that Jerks and Profar may make a really good play at short that you go, wow. He may hit a homer. He may hit a double or something. But Billy Hamilton, you're going to be on the edge of your seat from the moment that he steps in the box because you don't know, is he going to lay down a bunt where you see him you know, go home to first in 3-6? In is he going to hit a chopper that should be an out for anyone and he's safe? Or is he going to put a ball in the gap and you're going to see him turn it into a triple? Or is he going to make a diving catch uh, beyond the left fielder? Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, yeah. or if he gets on base, then it's going to be every pitch is going to be, is he going now? Is he gonna is he gonna score the winning run on a sack fly to second? Yeah, or just how does the pitcher react when he's on base? I mean, I don't want to see forty throws over to first right. base, but it would be fun to just oh. have see the pressure that the pitcher's under and how he responds to that. I'm sure looking forward to talking to you know Carolina, uh, Cali guys about Billy Hamilton, other guys about him. Just what is it like to face you know to face him? You know what is it like as a catcher? Can't can't be real a whole lot of fun. No, no I mean okay, well I can be. I can be perfect here, and it may not matter. That's that's never a fun feeling. But this is the Baseball America podcast. I'm JJ Cooper. That's Ben Badler uh, joining me today. We're gonna you know keep this one to a, a relatively. Uh, we've we've had a lot of long podcasts lately, so 35 minutes or 30 minutes here. Or so, but we w- but we will have additional prospect podcasts coming up. We thank you for indur- indulging our little uh, prospect siestas. We've had a lot of again a lot of draft coverage, a lot of college coverage. We're going to keep the college podcast coming with the uh, College World Series obviously getting going tonight It's uh, you know, on this weekend. But thanks again for the download. We'll have, we, may have, we may even try to have a, a special uh, prospect podcast from the Futures game in a couple weeks. Maybe we can pull that off. So thanks again. We'll be back again next week, and have a great weekend. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.